Hey, Real Talkers, it's great to be back after a week away from the podcast. We got a lot to catch up on. Our elected MPs give a former Nazi SS soldier a standing ovation in the House of Commons. Alberta wants to pull out of the Canada Pension Plan and figures it deserves more than 50% of the assets. Manitoba's PCs are making some mind-boggling moves just days out from an election. Needless to say, we've got a lot to talk about in this episode of Real Talk. This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. Well, it's uh, the way that Murphy's Law works, right? When, when Real Talk says we're going to sign off for a week because we've got some business to take care of, we're going to host some conferences and get some work done on the business behind the scenes, then all hell breaks loose on the news cycle. And that's exactly what happened last week, including a former Nazi SS soldier applauded a standing ovation by elected MPs in the House of Commons. The entire country has been talking about it. At this stage, we're asking you, is the resignation of the House Speaker enough? The conservative opposition in particular wants the Prime Minister to resign. They say that ultimately this is Justin Trudeau's problem. The fact that this happened, never mind the fact that it happened in front of Ukraine's President Zelensky. What an absolute disaster. Charles Adler is going to be joining us to talk about that in just a second. Plus, today we shine the spotlight on Alberta business with the president and CEO of the Alberta Chambers of Commerce, Shauna Feth, who's going to join me in studio and a positive reflection presented by Kubi Energy you won't want to miss. This is an amazing, a Canadian teenager that's partnered with Sony. He's got a game coming out on PlayStation 5. He's not even old enough to drive. So this is really incredible. We're going to launch you into the week with that good news story. Wanted to let you know that this episode of Real Talk is presented by our friends at Rello. Now, I know for a lot of you, this time of year, the fall is a time of... Well, basically reevaluation, right? Everybody's getting back into their schedules. The kids are back into a routine at school and kind of the same vibe is happening at work. And so maybe you're getting a little bit restless or, or maybe the better word for it is motivated. You're looking at starting a new career and you're feeling like the time is now. What about being your own boss, running a thriving business, leaving cubicle life behind for good? If you want all that plus unlimited earning potential, a career in real estate could be your perfect match. You can get started today by enrolling with Rello. Rello is Alberta's top real estate school, and they're ready to support you every step of the way from studying for your exam to getting your license and beyond. Plus, with Rello, you can study 100% online, which is perfect because it's guaranteed to fit with your own schedule. Here's the best part for real talkers right now you can save 20 percent. that's big on any rello course with the promo code real talk check out rello.ca that's r-e-l-o.ca the promo code real talk takes 20 percent off any rello course the first show of every week we're joined by emmy award-winning talk show host and legendary broadcaster charles adler host of Charles Adler Show, he's got a podcast of his own, and of course, Canadians have turned to him for decades for his brand of Canadian common sense. My man, I hope you had a fabulous weekend. How are you approaching the week? It's a big one. I haven't even mentioned Manitoba's election yet. There's a big, lot going yeah, on. Big, 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 big. I want you to know, Ryan, uh, and I want everyone to be a witness to this statement. I may not wear a red bandana, but I'm proud to be your Bobby McGee. <laughs> 
I don't even get the reference. How badly will you judge me right now? <laughs> no, Bobby, the me and Bobby is one, one of my favorite songs. I don't care who's singing it. <laughs> Janis Joplin, of course, is off the charts. And, you know, Roger Miller and Chris Christopher, every, everybody's done me and Bobby McGee. And it's just, uh, it's just one of those things. You probably have, I think Johnny would, uh, commiserate with, with us. I think everybody uh, watching and listening, okay, everybody's so, so got I'm the only some idiot that doesn't know on the turntable in their in their brain, uh, <laughs> some song that's playing all the time, and that's that's one of mine. Yeah, I'm going to get a text from my parents at some point, just absolutely ashamed that I didn't get the reference from Chuck in that's the first right. thirty that's seconds right. of our Any, talk. Anytime today. you've got a tough time understanding me, just call your ma or pa, yeah, or, or grandma if, you, if you're lucky enough to have a grandma. Oh, I wish still they'll here. explain. Uncle Chuck's references. Oh. You, I'm a child of the '60s. I can't. I can't help myself. Hey, so uh, this is uh, like I said off the top. It's, it's like Murphy's Law. The show's going to step away for yeah. a, a few days because I'm hosting Bomex, this big national conference for commercial real estate professionals. Had a great time there. And you know what everybody was talking about during the com- during during the coffee breaks, Charles? You know what everybody was talking about? The fact that you know about 300 of our elected MPs yeah. all stood up and applauded uh, for her who turned out to be yeah. a former Nazi SS soldier. They said during World War II, he bravely fought against. Against the Soviets, bravely fought against the Russians. Yeah. Everybody applauded. Yeah. Uh, take it away. Where are you at with this? Well, first of all, you know, talking about fighting against the Soviets uh, in World War II is not something that we can be proud of because whatever we may think of the Soviets, and I don't take a, a backseat to anybody in being anti-Soviet, they they imprisoned my father for, for three years. So it's not about being pro-Soviet, but the point is uh, the situation was what it was. The Soviets were our allies. And uh, we talk about D-Day a lot. Uh, we don't talk about uh, what the Soviets did to the Germans in the snows of, of Russia in World War II. Most objective analysts and historians agree that if Hitler had not decided to go into Russia to fight the Soviets, okay, the, the, the people that this Nazi was fighting, if the Germans had not gone into to Russia, uh, the Germans most likely would have won that war, and uh, I hate to, you know, be the the bearer of all doom and gloom. The only way that our side would have won the war, had the Germans not gotten into Russia, is for us to get the atom bomb in time to destroy Germany with that bomb. That's the only way we could have won the war. So I'm sitting here, and 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 so the House Speaker Anthony Rota goes, listen. Uh, the guy was here on uh, my invitation. He says he was on the speaker's list to sit in the speaker's gallery. Obviously, yeah. a, a huge screw up um, says that uh, the, the buck stops with him. And so he resigns his role as speaker. The opposition says, no, the, the PMO probably maybe looks at the list for security clearance or for other reasons. They look at who's going to be in the gallery. They're the ones. Uh, I mean, it, this is opportunistic, yeah, well, uh, I mean, but, it, but it what is politics matter. if not yeah. opportunism? But it doesn't matter what the, what the conservatives say. I mean, if, if, if the carbon tax goes up by 0.02%, um, you know, if there's a wildfire in Alberta, if, you know, if, if anything goes wrong for anybody at any time, uh, they want the prime minister to resign. I mean, they are the boy cried wolf party. They call for the prime minister to resign uh, every, every 10 minutes. So it doesn't matter. This is much more serious than the conservative opposition to it. Uh, it's impossible uh, for for me and for, for many others who paid lots of attention uh, to what happened and didn't happen in, in World War II and, and what could have happened. We got, uh, we won that by the, by the skin of our teeth and by the bravery of our soldiers. By the way, I just want to point out 
40,000 Ukrainian Canadians, okay, 40,000 Ukrainian Canadians served with the Canadian forces valiantly and proudly. I do not want anyone to take away from this that that, that Uncle Chuck is anti-Ukrainian or that I, I don't fully appreciate the Ukrainian uh, component of the Canadian and the Allied effort against uh, against Hitler in, in World War II. But, but the idea that our betting system is so loosey-goosey, especially on a day when the champion of democracy, and I'm not talking about Trudeau, he's the, he, is, he is a champion, in my opinion, of Canadian democracy, but I'll put that aside. The champion of world democracy, Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, is in the house. You would think that not only is security absolutely airtight, but you would also think that we are airtight on not doing anything to embarrass the greatest friend that democracy has right now. And it happened. And the speaker resigned reluctantly. He didn't want to resign at first. He had to be pushed out. Uh, we don't push people out the window like they do in Russia. Uh, but uh, one of the cabinet ministers and, and some others uh, got involved in very, very publicly uh, telling the speaker to to get out of Dodge. Yeah, okay. So h- how embarrassing is this? Like, like, like not just the Ukrainians and not just in front of Zelensky, but but yeah. like the Americans, the British, like everybody else who's opinion. It's embarrassing. Quite I mean, frankly, it, we it, care it, about it's a, it. It was Ryan. It was. There's no way around it. It was a. It was a bush league move, and to any of our allies and to anyone who cares about democracy, to anyone who who cares about the destruction of of modern day fascism, and we talk about this here all the time. I want authoritarianism to be destroyed. I certainly want authoritarianism to be engaged. I mean, on the on the one hand, uh, as Canadians, we talk about a, engaging the new authoritarianism and overcoming it and overwhelming it and and saving the forces of democracy. And here we have a a former Nazi uh, right in the the people's house in Ottawa. It's disgraceful. It's shameful, uh, but it's also amateur. It was amateur hour in the House of Commons. And the liberals have to wear that. Can I say that I, th- I think if anything, if, the, if you had to sort of and I hope I don't pull a hamstring stretching on this one. Okay. But if but if you had to try to find a silver lining in this situation, it would be that I and, and for the purpose of the benefit of those listening on the podcast, Charles just winced. Uh, you winced like you had a bunion on the hiking trail there when you when when you learned that I was going to endeavor to find a silver lining. Yeah, but. I bet you hundreds of thousands, if not Canadians, quietly took a few seconds to Wikipedia or use another source to learn a little bit more about World War II because they probably realized and acknowledged that if they were one of the MPs in the House of Commons, like many conservatives, like many NDP, like many Bloc Québécois MPs as well, who all rose to applaud this person, that if they would have known or understood a little bit more about World War II, if they would have been schooled up or better educated about World War II, they probably wouldn't have stood. In fact, some of them may have even caused a bit of an uproar, a bit of a scene. This was not our finest hour as a country, but I've got to remind the country that we did have our finest hour in World War II by by destroying the most vicious enemy that anybody has ever had. Uh, There's nothing more vicious. And by the way, I just want to also dispel... Uh, some of this uh, revisionist nonsense that people who joined these outfits like the Waffen SS, which this guy was a part of. And pardon me if I don't mention his name. I only want to see his name in the obituaries. I don't want to give his name uh, any more glorification uh, or any more veneration in the minds of right-wingers than he already has. He is he is nobody's hero, and he's certainly not my hero. And so I'm not interested in mentioning his name. 
But the point is that the people who joined these outfits did so enthusiastically. And the only way that Hitler, this is this is part of the, remember this is all part of the SS, the Waffen SS, the military wing. The SS ran all the concentration camps and the SS were in charge of genocide. You can't have people willing to strip babies from their mother's arms and gas them and torch them and 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 shoot them. You can't have people do that unless they're sick in the head and absolute ideologically and absolutely enthusiastic about doing it. Because if they're not enthusiastic about joining the so-called special force, they are a threat to their fellow officers, their fellow murderers. These are war crimes we're talking about, and people do not participate in war crimes unless they want to. This these outfits did not need, did not need to conscript did not need to coerce, did not need to threaten or blackmail. There were many thousands of people, including this guy, who was enthusiastic about joining them. Uh, ben, in the live chat, watching us on YouTube, says, well put, Adler, not our finest hour. Uh, we're talking to Charles Adler uh, every Monday, or at least the first episode of every week, joins us, Manitobans. We'll head to the polls for those that didn't participate in advance. Polling Manitoba may have a new premier by the time it's all said and done. Of course, the nation watches when a province is yeah. uh, carrying out an election. The the, the PCs, uh, Premier Heather Stephenson, obviously, or let me say PC leader at this point, Heather Stephenson, uh, trying to hold office, maybe an uphill climb, depending on who's polling, you believe. Wab Canoe and the NDP looking to make some noise there, make history there. But some curious developments over the past few days, uh, a quickly pulled ad campaign from the Manitoba PCs over the weekend, vote like nobody's watching, uh, sort of suggesting that even if your vote is embarrassing to you a reminder you don't have to tell your friends or family about it just do it anyway which is like the i don't i have some rude metaphors but i won't use them and then what about this one this billboard that went up stand firm against oh, the unsafe 184 million dollar landfill dig i think most canadians know that, that that's a reference to indigenous communities have been demanding yeah. Uh, that that a landfill be closed down and 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 basically dug up by forensic scientists as they look for the remains of women who were murdered and are suspected to be in there. They, investigators say they have very good reason to believe that those women's remains, that their bodies are in that landfill. What a strange billboard! I thought it had to be photoshopped. I had thought it had to be AI. I thought it was. Uh -huh. a, it's real. Uh, what are you thinking about as you look at this election right now, including these recent developments? Well, I just went for my regular Friday uh, shopping trip at, at Costco. On the, you know, I talk about having beachfront property because I look out onto a Walmart where I live right now, and, and Costco's only five minutes away. For, for, for some eccentric people like me, that, that, that's just a great location. And as far as I'm concerned, I'm living, living on the beach. It's convenient, okay? So I'm, le I'm, I'm leaving my regular Friday uh, Costco uh, shopping trip, and within five minutes of leaving the parking lot, I'm looking at that billboard where the conservatives, Jeez. the local conservatives, are saying they're they're standing tall, they're 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 standing firm. Okay, they're firm in this in the in this fight. Who who, who are they fighting? Dead indigenous women, you know, standing firm. I mean, they, it just it it was just another example to me that this entire uh, provincial PC Manitoba campaign has been designed by degenerates anonymous. I've I've never seen such a stupid and tasteless campaign. I mean, every everybody, and it seems in the world, is competing for who can be uh, more and more tasteless uh, year after year. Uh, but this one, uh, in terms of Manitoba history, this billboard really took the cake. 
And as far as this ad is concerned, this other ad, which is a social media ad, until today it was a it's a print ad. It's in the back page of the free press. And essentially, the message from the PCs uh, to their uh, fervent supporters is: Don't let people shame you out of voting for us. Don't let people make you feel ashamed of what your party is doing, because of course they are ashamed. They're so ashamed that they got blowback, pushback from loyal PCs saying you've got to cut this crap out. And so they 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 pulled that out uh, that ad from from social media, but the ad telling people that oh by the way it's a secret ballot, nobody's watching, <laughs> so you can do it even if you're ashamed of doing it. Um, the ad is, as I say, on on the back page of the front section of today's Winnipeg Free Press, but it's been pulled from from social media because PC supporters just can't take it anymore. Yeah, well, and, and I mean, the best part about it is that the 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 party, you know, journalists are reaching out because the ad was pulled like very quickly within hours of it being out. And they said, no, no, no. A, most ads have a have a, a schedule to which they're supposed to run. And this was just supposed to run for a for a very brief period of time. No, they, they pulled they, they pulled other ads. And they, they've got one ad where, you know, they talk about a deck of cards. And they've got the different uh, members of the NDP, including uh, the leader, Wapkanu, who will uh, emerge as the uh, the very first First Nations uh, premier. That'll happen, uh, you know, within a short time, you know, by 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 Tuesday night. You're calling uh, you that know, victory? Let, let, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can. That, 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 I called. Uh, I wrote an obituary for, for the Manitoba PCs 10 days ago. And just uh, fully uh, want to be fully transparent. As always, I've been a Manitoba PC supporter, uh, you know, spent about a quarter of my my uh, my uh, life in in Manitoba, and uh, when given the opportunity to vote, I voted PC 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 PC. Mm-hmm. Just as in Alberta, I used to vote, you know, whatever PC PC. That's that's kind of who I am, despite the fact that the the PCs uh, now see me as as public enemy number one. But uh, yes, I have been a PC supporter, and I happen to be a friend of the Stephensons. Happen to be a friend of Heather Stephensons for a quarter of a century. I was at her very first nomination meeting, and when I when I saw her perform at that meeting, I felt that I was looking at a at a future premier. And turns out I was. Uh, but this has not been a a good campaign for her. This has not been her finest hour. And I suppose at some point she just decided that she couldn't run on her record. She couldn't defend the record of her government. And so the best way to do that was to try to shoot at the ankles of, of the opposition. And sometimes when, when people do that, they end up shooting themselves in the foot. And that's the story of the Manitoba PCs. And that's why the NDP will win uh, tomorrow night. Yeah, I just like I can't even. And, and with that, like we're, we're looking at, uh, you know, <laughs> this is sometimes I just I'm curious to know, like, is, is a story as big as we think it is or something as, as significant as we think it is? Like if you just. If yeah, you, this go- one's, if you this Google. One's large. Google Manitoba billboard and hit news, which brings the most relevant or recent stories to the front. This is number one. Like this is I wrote I wrote a piece about this uh, in my regular free press column, Winnipeg free press. I wrote a piece about this on uh, on Saturday, my my trip home from Costco, where even though I I had done a full shop, uh, I, I felt that I had erred because I didn't buy any barf bags because that's what I needed when I was looking at this billboard. I mean, it's just the idea. I don't want to get into it too deeply, but we're talking about the remains of of two murdered young Indigenous women. Um, I I think the majority of people support uh, the idea of not uh, spending over $180 million on that, but it's something that people just sort of quietly agree about, or at least the majority does. And so uh, they, they, they weren't in disagreement with, the decision of the uh, of the premier, but you would think that something like this would be done reluctantly and quietly. You know, someone's got to say no. It's the job of the premier. Fine, 
Um, but it's not something you expect the party to to brag about. To brag about, to to take yeah. out ads on, to to yeah, pay yeah. money just, for billboards, and I even just the phrasing of it, like just as, yeah. as, as you know, we 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 communicate for a living. This is what we do: stand yeah. firm against well, the and, and, You know, they want they want people to believe that the stand firm is about standing against, uh, you know, the indigenous people or indigenous activists. But you know, when you're when you're playing the race card or you're you're doing racial dog whistling in the in the last hours of a, a campaign. I mean, you're showing everyone that, you know, you're you're doing a death rattle. It's it's over. I mean, the they the PCs won't just lose uh, tomorrow night. They're going to lose rather large. Let me tell you like th- here's how I'm feeling. If I'm in Manitoba and this would be just me, this would be the way I was wired. Or let's say similar shenanigans happened in Alberta where where you know whatever, whatever party I was going to vote for, uh, whatever party I thought I was going to vote for, all of a sudden started taking out billboards like that and then followed the billboard campaign up with another ad campaign that said, remember, your family and friends are never going to find out how you vote, so please do vote for us. Yeah. Um, I may not, that may not swing me to vote for the other party. Uh, I don't think I'm that simple, but it sure would convince me to stay home and not vote. Yeah, I think, yeah, you're, I think you're on the money. I think that's uh, going to be the default position of many uh PC supporters. I don't think they're just they're going to jump to the NDP, uh, but they'll stay home. Look, I, I I think that for a while in Alberta, it looked, and I, I don't know the exact numbers of how many stayed home, but it looked like there were PC supporters in Alberta. Sorry, UCP now. UCP supporters in Alberta. It looked like uh, many of them were disgusted by uh, the things that Danielle Smith said, especially before she became a premier and that uh, they would uh, stay at home. Ryan, you can fill me in on whether the stay-at-home factor was indeed a factor. I mean, I think it's always a factor in elections. You know, I mean, that's that's why we talk about voter turnout, right? And and we're at a yeah. point now, as if you don't know this, or this audience for that matter, where we, if it's like voter turnout's like 64%, we're like, wow, that's great. You know, because <laughs> I, I just We don't ask for much, do we? We don't ask for much. Oh I mean, I, I'd love to see it at 85%. I, I, I don't yeah. know what it's going to take. Another interesting, uh, you know, an issue that is, has obviously been uh, relevant across the country uh, in New Brunswick and Saskatchewan in particular, Particular where legislation had people talking about so-called parents' rights in education, um, in particular uh, kids, minors, uh, pronouns, and parents being notified about any changes there. Uh, this one million march for children that happened across the country brought out thousands of people uh, demanding a, a bigger role or, or more information for parents. It drew out thousands of other people uh, in counter protest, you know, w- waving pride flags and, and carrying signs of acceptance. And uh, Johnny and I and, and others kind of talked about this day that that gave us just frankly chuck i guess a bit of a pit in our stomach um you and i haven't really talked about it but but this has also popped up uh in the themes around this manitoba election and and i'm wondering if that's why you tweeted about it uh this was just this morning you had something to say about it on your twitter account because because i i need i need for people to to know you know context um this whole parents rights thing i mean i got to look at this in the 90s when i was working in the United States and uh, the, the right wing, the specifically the social conservatives were always talking about parents' rights. And so parents' rights was first uh, talked about en masse, um, you know, back in the fifties and sixties when it was about segregation, the, uh, the bigots of the day wanted to make sure that black children uh, were not allowed to, you know, quote, contaminate the, uh, the classrooms of nice white uh, children. And so they were against the segregation. Then down the road, uh, the, they were against, 
helping people with AIDS. They were they looked at AIDS as as a gay plague, and they didn't want um, HIV, uh, anything related to HIV, being taught to to, uh, to children how to how to protect themselves from uh, sexually transmitted diseases, including HIV. And that too was 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 parents' rights. And then uh, later it became uh, say you know say no to gays, uh, don't say gay, uh, anti-gay, anti-trans. And so I just, uh, you know, mentioned this morning that, you know, bigotry does not have to wear uh, bedsheets, does not have to wear the bedsheets of the Ku Klux Klan uh, to show their dark hearts. And the dark hearts are now into parents' rights in this country as well. Uh, David uh, Parker, your 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 your, your ex-guest, uh, Mr. Uh, Take Back Alberta, is all over this all the time. Uh, he was doing a rally uh, a few weeks ago. I, I think you may have I've seen some of the words. Um, those words are rarely heard in Canada. I'm not even going to repeat them, but it was just vitriolic. Um, you have to call it what it is. Uh, hatred, um, bigotry. Uh, you would never know uh, just an average Canadian listening in the country, listening to those words or certainly just reading, reading a transcript. You would never think that the person who uttered them has any influence with any government anywhere in this country, but he obviously does. Yeah, we had we had a uh, an email. Um, we, we've had a whole bunch of emails and trash talk submissions in particular from uh, people following that David Parker interview. There was one I remember from Mike or Michael, uh, a real talker who wrote in and basically his note was written to progressives. <laughs> and he said he said uh, my message is to progressives who are appalled by the, the David Parker comments. Get off your ass. He said the guys. I mean, the gist of Michael's email was basically he's giving you his playbook. He's telling you what he's going to do. I mean, right here during the real talk interview, people can find it in our podcast or YouTube archives. Obviously, Parker says, I said, what's next for you? Municipal politics. Wondering if maybe they're going to put some slates together. He goes, nah. He just spells it out, Charles. He goes, no, we got our eye on school boards. And he said as much at the rally the other day that the people were so worked up about. He's saying what he's going to do. And when he's on your show, of course, he's Cinderella. On his best behavior. Compared to what he's like in a rally. I mean, he he doesn't sound like a hate monger when he's on your show. He sounds like a, you know, a slightly right of center caller to a talk show. That's what he sounds like. He's not terribly articulate. He's not uh, not terribly strong, but uh, he's got he's got a following. But when he's doing a rally, my God, uh, it's uh, it's really scary. And one of the scary aspects of that rally I found was he's got this Muslim gentleman uh, beside him and he's saying to the to the crowd, we now have the Muslims. What does that what does that mean? We now have we, now we have the, the Muslims and the six, he said. Yeah, yeah, the Muslims and the, the Muslims six and because- the six are with us, he said, but the he said, and this was this was actually my favorite part of the whole video, and we don't have it live. I didn't think we'd play it and what but uh but <laughs> there's this part that actually I I guffawed. I like laughed out loud because the video, for anyone who's seen it, um, and has had thousands of views, is is recorded by like one of his like fervent supporters, yeah. right? And so it's actually kind of polluted with this every time parker says something then this guy goes yeah and it's like over modulated <laughs> loud and, crazy, and then he says something yeah. else and the guy goes yeah and I, then I, at first i thought that was a guy you know just sitting on the throne being really constipated yeah know? no i don't know what I just wanted yeah. someone to, to you know to pass him some 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 gatorade or xbox or <laughs> so, metamucil or something metamucil. I, i'm sorry I, I don't mean to so parker so parker goes and the Muslims are with us. Yeah. And the Sikhs are with us. Yeah. And then Parker goes, but the Christians are being lazy. And the guy goes, uh? 
<laughs> and then all the, there's just like the, didn't ten, the volume just yeah. dropped. Everybody around is like, and he's like, you yeah. need to do more. And then he kind of does yeah. his rallying cry for how yeah. the, 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 the Christians need to rise The constipated grunter was a Christian. Yeah. Didn't understand. Why, why, why are you picking on us? Why are you picking on What, what did we do? <laughs> uh, before we go, I'm not, I'm not trying to jack up your blood pressure, but the, the, right. the $1 million Nobel Prize for medicine goes to two researchers who were uh, key to developing this mRNA vaccine for, yeah. for COVID-19. And uh, right around the time-ish that the yes. Nobel Prize recipients are announced, the world's richest man worth a quarter <laughs> of a trillion dollars, he owns uh, Twitter, X, he's running it into the ground, but he owns it. Yeah. Elon Musk yeah. tweets, Imagination Land. For those that haven't seen, his tweet says, Imagine a vaccine so safe you have to be threatened to take it for a disease so deadly you have to be tested to know you have it. Uh, people have pointed out, Elon, that you need testing to know that you have cancer, AIDS, HIV, Ebola, ALS, virtually Parkinson's, any other disease uh, is diagnosed by testing. But I digress. Charles, your thoughts on the behavior of the world's richest man? Well, he, he wants to be the ultimate social media pimp. You know, and uh, he wants to have as many followers who have as many followers as possible. He wants to have as many followers as possible who try to engage other people and really, really tick them off. So, I mean, he's he's trying to create trouble. He's trying to create clicks. And in desperation for clicks, I mean, he's going after hate mongers, uh, cranks, uh, crackpots. And hate mongers, cranks, and crackpots are not having a good day. Because the Nobel Committee does not care about them. The Nobel Committee cares about the the advancement of humanity uh, through science and many other means. And so two scientists, one a, a Hungarian-born, another an American-born, are sharing and, and doing developing the necessary technology uh, to get that mRNA vaccine into our veins as soon as possible. And I highly doubt that Elon Musk is unvaxxed. I highly doubt that a lot of these other click pimps and, and click whores are unvaxxed but it's an easy way uh, to get followers because uh, there are a, there there is such a voracious appetite out there among uh, people who hear that anti-vax message is like you, you hear the anti-gay message the anti-trans message uh, the anti-woman message the anti-choice message the anti-vax message automatically if you if you push those buttons uh, you get uh, tremendous amounts of following you can find the Charles Adler show anywhere you download your podcast. You can find him here the first episode of every week. We're going to uh, break for Thanksgiving uh, on the Monday next week. So we'll talk to you Tuesday morning, pal. Have a great week and a happy Thanksgiving. And thank you for being my Bobby McGee. Oh, I should. I had, ask your dad what he's talking. I had about. like 25 minutes to come up with a good one, uh, but I did not uh, So I'll wear that. I'll have something strong for you next Tuesday. Thank you. All right, brother. We'll see you then. That's Charles Adler. You can find him on Twitter at Charles Adler. Coming up in just a second, an eye on Alberta business with the president and CEO of the Alberta Chambers of Commerce, Shauna Feth. But first, I want to talk to you about the upcoming 2023 University of Alberta Alumni Awards. They push the limits of what's possible. Uh, and the 2023 Alumni Awards is ready to honor the outstanding achievements of 30 University of Alberta graduates from breakthroughs in surgery to revolutionizing Canada's investment landscape. These leaders have turned their passion into purpose and they have created positive change to benefit all. Get inspired yourself. You can delve into their amazing triumphs and learn how they're leaving a lasting mark on the world. Visit UAB 
ca slash alumni 23 uh, we'll put that in the show notes on the podcast on youtube to see this year's change makers that's uab.ca slash alumni 23 it's a great day to visit a Friesen brothers in your neck of the woods 16 of them across the province of alberta still family owned and operated every single one of them uh, what a lasting legacy closing in on 70 years if you can believe it they've seen the highs and the lows of the alberta economy but there's some x factor isn't there to the way that friesen brothers operates that creates just this fervent loyal customer base that includes me and johnny i'm putting you on the spot right now oh yeah but why don't we each tell our audience members why don't we each tell our friends one thing that they should pick up when they're visiting a Friesen Brothers this week. When What's you're visiting th- the Friesen Brothers, we always pick up the sourdough bread. There's oh, something good just call, good pal. about, I don't know what their mix is, what their concentration. It's Charlie, it's, the sourdough starter. That's it. It's better than any sourdough I've ever had, and it's reasonably priced. And you get a half loaf or a full. Yeah. So you know how you go pick up the sourdough, it's always a full, and then you eat it in like two days. Two seconds. It's about yeah. portion control at Friesen Bros. I like it. Yeah, they got us, like they got us under the, the radar. Well, you were telling us you picked up a half pie once. I was like, who? buys a half pie. They have half pies do. too. Yeah. Uh, that's fair enough. I'm going to go with uh, from the Friesen Brothers Kitchen so you can pick it up. It's already prepared, ready to go. Take it home and crush it. The braised beef short rib. It is bonkers. <laughs> Throw a little horseradish on there. Oh my gosh, they have their warm potato salad too. You just tell them Jesmo and Johnny sent you. You can find out more details at Friesen. Dot com. And, you know, we're talking about new starts, fresh starts in the fall, maybe shaking up your routine, doing something to maybe better prepare yourself for, for a job market that appears right now to be, have a lot of promise. But, you know, you got to scale up first. Take two minutes for yourself today and check out AthabascaU.ca. Athabasca University is Canada's open university with world-class accredited online programs and courses that offer you the flexibility to learn at your own pace on a schedule that suits your lifestyle. It's easy to get started. Just follow the links on their website. Find out what it takes for admission. Hey, if you're a so-called mature student... They've eliminated a whole bunch of hurdles, which is probably why literally tens of thousands of people go to Athabasca U for their post-secondary learning. Find out the type of student you are, what might be a good fit, how to apply, and even tap into financial support. You can find it all online at AthabascaU.ca. Sean Feth is the president and CEO of the Alberta Chambers of Commerce, and uh, we're grateful to have you here in studio about once a month. We're, we're going to sort of tap into your expertise and, and, and obviously get a good sense of what you're looking at, some of the good news stories that are catching your eye, maybe some of the challenges that chambers are, are navigating as we shine the spotlight on Alberta business. It's nice to have you in studio. Thanks for making time for us. Thanks for having me, Ron. You had a busy week last week. I think there were, based on what I was looking at and photos I saw, there appeared to be well over a thousand people, um, many of them elected representatives uh, and or you know community stakeholders at this Alberta Municipalities Conference. And, and you were there, I understand, speaking on behalf of the Alberta Chambers. What was your key message? What did you really want to hammer home there? Yeah, so I'm fortunate to be part of their Economic Strategy Committee for Alberta Municipalities, and our panel really focused in on that ECDEV piece. So what are some of the fundamental things that we're talking about? You know, for us, really, it's about collaboration. It's about talent development uh, across the province. A lot of conversation about housing and, and where we're at in the housing markets across the province, as well as, you know, everything from that to all the way down to childcare and healthcare and how all that impacts 
um, our ability to attract and retain businesses in the province. Yeah, when you're talking economic development, there's probably like a million factors, right? Um, We had over the weekend an opportunity to gather with some of the really talented storytellers, filmmakers, documentary filmmakers um, at the Ampia Awards this weekend, the Alberta Motion Picture Industries Association. Johnny and I have actually were requesting a recount uh, because both categories Uh. we were nominated in, we did not win. And so obviously we think there's something stinks with the process uh, for us not to win best web series or best host. But but in all seriousness, Shauna, I was blown away at what creators in Alberta are doing right now. And they're really optimistic, starting to see investment coming. I mean, the writer's strike in the States is messing mm-hmm. around a little bit with that, but they are seeing uh, boldness and they're seeing a lot of confidence in Alberta's film industry bigger picture as you zoom out Mm -hmm. what encouraging signs are you seeing when it when it comes to economic development and and what businesses are doing in Alberta right now yeah well I think you know uh just on that point the filmmaking uh one of the sessions actually last week was the the Mountain View film uh company so you know Productions like Winona Earp that, you know, are, have these Erpers that come into our communities. They Erp around and they take pictures. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, that's happening in, in uh, southern Alberta all the time, which is really exciting. First rural kind of organization, uh, first of its kind in, in rural Alberta, which is really exciting. So good to see. So, but those are the types of things that have all the spinoff effects that, you know, those, are, those tourists are the ones that are, you know, eating in our restaurants, buying our gasoline and really supporting our economy so that that's really exciting for Alberta so when you talk about the film industry in Alberta I think that's one that's really emerging right now and is really exciting to keep an eye on well and it's awesome because for a lot of those people the work you know based on a number of different factors has been limited and you've had all these talented people with lots of experience like chomping at the bit ready to yeah. go they just haven't had the opportunity um we, we uh, you know took a look at just some real high level numbers like some basic themes and your expertise you can take us into it but but when you're evaluating or getting a sense of you're, you're putting your finger on the pulse of Alberta's economy right now Alberta's leading the country in GDP Alberta's leading the country in population growth obviously two pretty good signs what does this mean bigger picture yeah so all incredibly positive signs I mean uh one of our biggest uh, projects at the Alberta Chambers right now is our Talent Development Task Force, which is a partnership with the Alberta Post-Secondary Network and ACC with uh, the intent really of being able to collaborate on how do we really get that talent into those positions quicker through you know really understanding labor market information and what's actually happening in real time out in the province, and then marrying that up with, okay, so what are those future roles? What are those roles that we need to fill today? What are those future roles? And so that's really positive because we know we have a real shortage. We have a real skills gap in Alberta right now. So the the population coming in, the population growth, getting some of those skilled people into the province to fill some of those roles is very positive. Uh, I mean, you could argue, too, that that does have some drawbacks. I mean, we need to have everything from housing to health care to all of the supports that, you know, you know, estimating 10 years from now, an additional 500,000 people in the province. So, you know, affordability, reliability of things like our electricity grid and all of those things are going to have to be in play, too. And we're really going to really going to have to pay attention to that going forward as we attract all these additional people to the province. I feel like you've, you've just taken like a checklist of everything that we've talked about for the last two <laughs> months on the show. We're like electricity in Alberta. Boy, is that oh, ever, yeah. I mean, 
geez, we, 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 I would say we could do a whole week on that. We did do a whole week yeah. on that from, from the rates rising to the, the, the grid to a move. The feds want it net zero by 2035 yeah. uh, to the role that natural gas will play to shutting down coal plants. I mean, there's just so much yeah. to talk about there. And then housing. I mean, we had a housing roundtable a few Fridays ago that was really rock solid. Um, talked to Jennifer Keysmet, former chief planner in Toronto, had some great expert voices on that one. Um, but you, you can say... Well, Alberta is great. I mean, if you know, if you're trying to draw, you talk about this talent gap. I'd mm-hmm. love to dig into that a little bit. You've got the, the the brightest talent in in Nova Scotia, or somebody that lives in in northern Manitoba that's looking at making a move, or whatever the case may mm-hmm. be. Um, and Alberta is really appealing because you look at our housing prices compared to say Vancouver and Toronto, and and it's still really affordable, relatively speaking. But that doesn't mean it's affordable for everybody. And in some communities, they're just plainly put aren't housing options like they just don't have available housing what role can let's say like the alberta chambers of commerce play in in that talk to us a bit about your advocacy and 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 how your organization does its job to benefit alberta businesses yeah and so you know not particular to even specifically housing but all of these affordability issues we have a very robust policy book that we advocate on behalf and it it contains everything from you know what you're just talking about like everything from enterprise to childcare and all of those things that impact business. And, you know, they, some of these, some of the policies may feel like they are somewhat social policies, but in reality, if you can't get a doctor into your community and you can't provide healthcare, it's really hard to attract people to come into that community. And so that's really at a high level where our policy book is, is just how are we making business in Alberta really accessible, affordable, and how are we getting the supports and resources to them that they need? Well, and if, if, if people don't think that social issues are business issues or business issues are social issues, they have no idea what they're talking about. I mean, if, if you want to look at downtown Edmonton right now, mm-hmm. I mean, th- th- there, are, there are reputation issues. This came up, so I'm hosting this, this big real estate conference last week, Bomex, and there's people from all across the country, and, and they, they, know that, they know that there were more than $2 billion in development permits for ICE District, that it's widely regarded as a huge success. And they also know that, that Edmonton's got a reputational issue around violence on the LRT and, and transit and, and uh, you know, I mean, some of the social supports and services there and, and the opioid crisis and all the other things. And of course, that's going to factor in if somebody's deciding, not just on the big picture, if they want to buy a big office tower, that's mm-hmm. a very short list of people. But what about if they want to bring their business to downtown Edmonton or a major city center? What if they want to move their family to one of these city centers uh, for business reasons? The social stuff is still very relevant, of mm-hmm. course, right? Absolutely. How do you, how do you when we talk about the skills gap? What's like? What would be like? I'm sure that you have a, a, a myriad of ways that that could be addressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, what might be one or two of them? Yeah. So for us, one of our big big projects right now for the next two years is uh, it's a partnership uh, to really look at addressing how are we getting the long term unemployed back into the workforce. So all of those sectors that tend to be underutilized, uh, everything from, you know, people on income supports to, you know, additional, uh, you know, seniors or other abled individuals, you know, everybody that really could have such a valuable contribution to our workforce in the province, we're doing a very concentrated effort to ensure that we can partner up those individuals with the businesses. And it's not even, you know, we do a lot of work in this province 
around getting the individuals prepared to get into the workforce. What we're really looking at and really focusing on is how do we prepare businesses to accommodate for some of these these individuals that may need some accommodation uh, so that they can, you know, really uh, integrate into the workforce and provide valuable contributions. So we're really excited about that project and that's going to be rolling out over the course of the next couple of years. Right on. I should mention to people as we're talking that they can learn more about what the Alberta Chambers are doing by checking out abchamber.ca and we'll have that link in the show notes to make it nice and easy for everybody. Later this month, the fall session kicks off at the mm-hmm. Alberta Legislature, and and obviously this is when a lot of business is done on the on the politics side of things, on the policy and, and legislation side of things. It's when all of the the political watchers, and that's a huge element of our audience, yeah. get really geared up uh, to see what's going to happen and, and what stamp this this Daniel Smith government will will place on on this first big fall session what's what's something in particular that you're keenly going to be watching yeah i think there's a a few things that we're really looking at so the taxpayer fairness act is one that we're going to keep our eyes on obviously it's going to be no surprise uh alberta pension plan legislation if that comes into play to get us very clear on on what that's going to look like because as we all know right now it's kind of vague it's a report and we really don't know what the actual legislation is going to look like uh really looking at um legislation around some of the things we've talked about, like childcare facilities and uh, different options for childcare facilities, because we know that's a huge challenge right now uh, for anybody trying to get back into the workforce or into the workforce if they don't have space for their children. So that's just kind of three at a really high level that we'll be paying attention to as they go back in. Yeah, I noticed, by the way, on the website here, you've got this Alberta Perspectives survey running, people and business owners. I mean, it asks the one kind of draw question, which is great. You've got a good hook there. Is red tape holding back your business? You get everybody's attention with that one. And then yeah. uh, here business owners and operators can share their perspective by taking the survey. It might be a bit of a dumb or naive question, but is that how you're basically in the Alberta chambers are, are putting these policies together and, and sort of examining or determining your top priorities? Is it based on member feedback? Absolutely. Um, so our uh, municipal red tape survey is out right now, uh, closes on October 13th. So next Friday. And it really is about what are, you know, what are the barriers uh, municipally that business is facing as they are opening, expanding, diversifying, whatever the case may be. And how can we identify what those are? And then how can we as Alberta Chamber really uh, provide some good guidance? You know, it's it's not just about the policies we write, but we also, we meet a lot with the ministers. Uh, we meet a lot with our elected officials and having the, the data, having the actual data points to speak to provides a lot more uh, clarity when we're having those conversations because we can say this is actually what your businesses are telling us. Mm. So we are a small business by Mm -hmm. definition Uh, coming up in in two weeks, almost exactly. Well, two weeks, exactly. So October 16th, uh, we're talking today on the second uh, October 16th kicks off small business week. You could ask me the same question I'm about to ask you. You could ask what sets small businesses apart or what unique challenges do small businesses have. And I could talk your ear off for about 90 minutes. Uh, But I think people would be more interested to hear from the president and CEO of the Alberta Chambers on this. So, So small business week. Um, how do you prepare your mind for that in particular? Where's your focus at? Yeah, so first I would just say that, you know, wherever you are in the province of Alberta, just check your local chamber. There's tons of events going on around Small Business Week, and the chambers of commerce are highly, highly involved. Uh, Everything from scavenger hunts to, you know, all the way through to major awards, gala ceremonies are taking place in all of our communities across the province. Right on. Uh, and, And having said that, I think the... The thing about small business that I think is really special is that 
these are the cornerstone businesses in our province. These are the businesses that are running our gas stations, running our grocery stores, uh, you know, the restaurants that we eat at, they, you know, when we lose one, especially in rural Alberta, when we lose one of these cornerstone businesses, it has a huge impact. And so I think the the beautiful thing about small businesses, uh, they're, they're so about giving back to their communities as well. And they have, you know, the unique challenges they have is a lot of times, you know, you're running 100% of the time in your business 24 seven, you know, we're, we're working very hard all the time to run our businesses and uh, ensure that that value is uh, generated back into the community by creating jobs and opportunities. Yeah, I saw a great post from somebody on Instagram that said, um, uh, don't wait until your favorite independent family-owned restaurant tells you they're going out of business mm-hmm. to visit them visit them today yeah. and i thought that 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 same thing could apply to family-owned retail to family-owned hospitality Everything. like whatever yeah. you name it uh yeah i mean it's just such a good principle right like everybody everybody rallies to save the small business when the small business announces that it's all but drowned yeah exactly right you know yeah and that's what we need to be paying attention to you know at acc is is what's drowning these businesses and it's everything from you know we talked about talent but affordability cost of utilities we've we've been hearing about businesses where their utility costs are lapsing their lease costs it's yeah phenomenal in terms of we've never seen a climate like this before never mind insurance insurance we could go on and on about all the things that are impacting that bottom line and and so that's really at acc that's what we're paying attention to and that's really you know we do these benchmarking surveys this one's on municipal red tape but we we benchmark a lot of different factors uh throughout the year in our province just so that we can really have uh an eye a line of sight on what's actually happening to well, our and you also you, community. you guys carry a big stick right like to be able to go to policymakers, be able to go to government and say here's what our members think i mean that, mm-hmm. that that's valuable and and i think that it's information that has an opportunity to, to contribute to policy. So it's a good reason for people to get involved and participate in it as well. And isn't Absolutely. it funny as you're talking about all these things and it just feels like gut punch after gut punch. We're like insurance and utilities and all this stuff. Yeah. And then you think, but still there's this entrepreneurial spirit. People don't care. I'm not that they don't care. They care. But it's not going to dissuade them from starting their business. I mean, there's still people hanging new shingles and uh-huh. opening doors on new places. And I don't know. I just have so much respect for that. I do too. And I, I'm Alberta girl, born and bred. I personally, I may be biased, but I think we just in Alberta have this entrepreneurial to go get it spirit. And, yeah. and, uh, you know, I think we can probably trace that back to how, how we homesteaded. Everybody was an entrepreneur really at one point in the sure. province when we came here. So I think that's carried through and this is part of our values. You know, yeah. we all want to, we all want to hang our shingle at some point. That's right. Where way. did you grow up? All over the province. Was oh, so, that right? Yeah, I, I was a bank brat, is what I call it. My dad worked for ATV, so okay. I was, he was a manager all over the province. So everywhere from Cartston to Lacklebish, I lived in this. Wow. Province, so yeah, two yeah. two very different communities, both by amazing lakes. Yes, is that fair? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, Cartston's <laughs> like a hop, skip, and a jump from the U.S., yeah. and then Lacklebish is kind of like this just an incredibly special community yeah. up north with some fabulous fishing, by the way. Um, now, I know. now you've got me daydreaming again. <laughs> hey, before you go, I want to ask you about this national convention, mm-hmm. Edmonton. So Edmonton's it seems Edmonton is hosting a whole bunch of national conventions lately, which it's is so good to see. Oh, it's down in Calgary. Yeah. Okay. 
Blah, blah. Let me read. <laughs> Alberta is hosting a bunch. But what's going to be going on down in Calgary? So uh, we're really excited to be inviting all of our colleagues from across the country to Calgary for the Canadian Chamber of Commerce AGM and policy sessions October 12th to 14th. So really excited about that. It's the first time in, I think, well over 20 years that we've hosted here in Alberta. So really excited to have that happen. Uh, a few other things that are really exciting that are coming up is we're doing our inaugural talent uh, symposium. We'll be doing that on November 8th. So that will be our, our opportunity to bring together business, industry, post-secondary, uh, student leaders, get them all in one room so that we can really start talking about how we move forward as a province to be, you know, maybe the most you know, positive jurisdiction uh, in the world we'd love to be uh, in terms of how we're addressing our talent shortages and how we're really forward thinking about what does the future of talent look like. So we're excited about that. And that will be followed on the 9th by our uh, fall board meeting and deputy minister's dinner. So uh, again, I, I believe it's our 20th anniversary for that event. So another one that's become kind of a mainstay of the fall to to have uh, the opportunity to get in front of your your deputy ministers and chat with them about whatever the the issues or opportunities huge, are, right? yeah, for sure. So we're really excited. We've got a lot of stuff coming up and a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. Hey, can can we talk? Can we get ner super nerdy about something? Sure. Um, I get excited when somebody brings up like deputy ministers. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I mean I think some people understand this, and you might go. You know, if, if you if you invite someone to, to to the ribbon cutting and it ends up being the assistant to the regional manager, everybody goes, oh, we got the kind of the number two. But the deputy minister, when you have a chance to talk policy, like you always want to talk to the minister. That's great. Mm -hmm. You know, they're the elected representative. Ultimately, they're kind of the ones that control the purse strings. But the deputy ministers are not elected. That's uh, right. Many times a deputy minister will have worked for different governments, different premiers, even different parties in governance. And the deputy ministers are the ones that like they know what's going on. They're the ones that are really plugged in. Right. Like it's they may mm -hmm. they may not have all the fanfare. Maybe everybody doesn't know the names of all the deputy ministers, but it's a huge opportunity to talk to them. Absolutely. They're, you know, they're the ones that, uh, you know, they're the staffers that have been in these roles longer. They're the, the individuals that have been inside the inner workings of government much longer as much as, you know, we get we get ministers moving around all the time. But a lot yeah. of times they're the consistency in terms of the policy and advocacy that we do because they're the ones that, you know, know the history. And if we're coming to them with something that potentially has been tried before or they've been approached with before, they can have that historical lens as well. So and, and of course the they they move around as well but they just have that broader experience in terms of the inner workings of of the government and, yeah you know being again being staff versus being uh you know elected they they have a different lens as well totally different lens yeah. totally different i mean arguably a different mandate and no it's great um so congratulations i know it's been several decades since the uh the annual convention for Canadian Chambers was hosted in Alberta. So mm -hmm. this is a big win for you, which is great. Um, congratulations on one year in the new role yeah, as president you. and CEO. And and thanks for making time for us in studio. We're going to do this uh, basically, uh, you know, we're going to go the first Monday of every month. We're going to sit down with you and, and shine the spotlight on Alberta business. I know that people are going to write in questions. We'll kind of take a look at stories in the news mm -hmm. um, and get you to analyze it through your lens. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. Excellent. Well, it's been my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Thanks, Shauna. That's Shauna Feth, uh, President and CEO of the Alberta Chambers of Commerce. You can check out what they do online at abchamber.ca. This conversation was presented by Real Talk sponsors like our friends at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park, who want to remind you this is a great time to check out 
the pumpkin pie blizzard treat. Yeah, that's right. This is the time of season where you're going to start ticking things off your fall bucket list and consuming a pumpkin flavored goodie's got to be on that list, right? It's at the very top of mine and Johnny's. I know at least classic fall flavors. Johnny won't stop talking about pumpkin spice, pumpkin spice. He's got his... No, Johnny's up away from his microphone right now, so I'm just having a little fun with it. Having a little fun with his pumpkin spice aftershave. But this world-famous... Sorry, pal, I can't help myself. World-famous soft serve mixed with real pumpkin pie pieces garnished with the whip topping, the nutmeg. You know it. You know it. This flavor combo, an immediate fall escape for the pumpkin fanatic. Uh, one bite of this creamy, sweet, savory treat, and you'll be ready to celebrate the season in all of its glory. You can pick up a pumpkin pie blizzard today at Dairy Queens in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, my home DQ at Westmount or in Sherwood Park at Baseline Road. Make sure you let them know that Real Talk sent you. Also wanted to give a big shout out to our friends at Eden Landscaping. They're, they're getting to that time of year where they're, they're wrapping up the projects that they've been working on this spring and this summer, which means that they're set soon to hang up those shovels and start getting going back to the design board. This is when they're going to work with their existing clients like our family or the new clients, the ones like you maybe that have been keeping a Pinterest board or ripping pages out of gardening magazines. You've been dreaming up your perfect outdoor space. I can tell you from firsthand experience, you've got your vision, you've got your plan, you've got your top priorities, and you've got your budget. And then you start talking to Mike and his team and that's when you realize what all the fuss is about. The way that their brains work in planning outdoor spaces and bringing them to life is so impressive. Custom landscaping services, full project management with Eden Landscaping. You can find them online today at landscapeedmonton.ca. And before Johnny and I connect on something very important, I wanted to let you know as well that the team at Complete Care Restoration is understanding, of course, more than ever before, how important the job is that they do. This is the company that for more than 10 years has been helping Albertans get back on their feet from fire and flood, from the natural disasters. And this summer has been a real doozy for a lot of Alberta communities. It's why we wanted to mention that the team at Complete Care Restoration is always just one call away. Chances are your insurance policy, whether it's your home or commercial insurance, whatever it is your business, most likely gives you the chance to choose who's going to do the work for you. We say do not hesitate. With two thumbs up as a satisfied customer, we encourage you to call Complete Care Restoration. They approach the projects as though they're their own. I mean, like it's their own home, like it's their own business, and we've seen them in action. Look to Complete Care Restoration either online at completecarerestoration.ca or you can give them a call at 780-454-0776. That pumpkin spice aftershave, it's, it's, I, I can smell it from here. It's not, it's not too bad. I like it. You're, you're in the spirit of the season, buddy. Oh, man. It's, it gives me that orange glow I love so it much. It kind of makes me look tan, which is what I like. Yeah, I yeah. thought you were going to say Trumpish. The, the orange <laughs> glow you love so much. Uh, how was your week away? You were working here hard behind the scenes, uh, just scaling yeah. up and improving the look of Real Talk. People can see that on YouTube. And then I saw you looked like you were DJing a stunningly beautiful wedding over the weekend. I you was, were out, out, yeah. in the, out in the country somewhere. Way out in the sticks and even... Uh, it got a little, it got a little strange because I usually go till one a.m. That's my cutoff, right? They were like, "We need you to go till two, maybe three. <laughs> maybe so three. I was like, "I'm in Wainwright. It's two hours away." But around two o'clock, things got 
It was it was sweaty. Like I don't know why guys like to take their shirts and pants off at weddings. Now it's a new thing. It never used to be, but now everyone's shirtless. I didn't everyone's know pants got off their is the thing. around their heads. Yeah. Anyways, at about two o'clock, the groom came out to me, and and I, he could see I was just kind of looking around, like this is this is getting a bit wild, right? And he's like, and you've hosted some wild parties. I have, and he's like, you're in the sticks now, brother. <laughs> you're like, what's next? What's so, next? Yeah, it, was, it was really fun, but. Uh, yeah, I lo- uh, wedding season finally over for me. I'm, I'm Is that right? That was last one. Uh, well, one more next weekend, and then one that's more. it. Then a little break, and then yeah. we then we can focus on you and me, our relationship. Yeah, we can cultivate <laughs> our relationship. Um, I love seeing some of the comments here as as uh, Sean is talking about some maybe some of the you know the hurdles and the challenges that businesses are, are facing in particular in Alberta. Yeah. Uh, Tracy says employers need to be competitive with financial and non financial benefits. Um, says I talk about these daily. Uh, some listen and get great talent and others ignore and struggle. So she's there talking about recruitment and management, right? Uh, so sadly, some of the greatest labor shortages, labor shortages are in the human services sector where government controls the wages. Uh, Alberta girl says Alberta's got a huge cost of living hurdle to employment, insurance, rent, housing availability are not helping people access employment, which is absolutely true. Oh yeah. Like, it, you know, we were saying this to Shauna, like it's, it's one thing to say, you know, the average single family detached home in Vancouver is going for whatever seven figures whatever it is yeah I think it's I think it's technically like around 900 but still and Alberta's is like 350 400 you go well that's great uh but relatively speaking you look at maybe some of the people we need here a younger workforce typically probably a little bit lower earning than people that are at later stages in their career to say, you know, I mean, to state the obvious. Yeah. Um, and, and then you look at, you know, some of the rates that people might be paying for things like car insurance, for electricity, Alberta's electricity up, the cost of power up 128, 130% year over year. So some people, like Shana said, um, you know, for a lot of business owners in particular, the utility costs are higher than their lease costs right now, which yeah. is bonkers. It's insane. And like I told you, I had to put a cap on mine. So now my my electricity every month from my provider is is a certain number. And at the end of the year, if I owe over, I pay out. If I owe under, they give me a credit. But it's just I've never had to do that before in any province I've lived in. So and it's not just a big problem here. I mean, rates are up everywhere. But when you look at the numbers here, especially, I mean, what was it when we showed the number like three, 300 percent or something ridiculous? Alberta's. Yeah, uh, it's it up 130 yeah. percent. But the next closest province is up 12 percent. So it's like it feels like, like number 300%. two on the list. And number two is up a lot. Like a 12 percent increase in cost is big. Yeah, we're 10 times that. It's it's just ridiculous. And some people will say, well, I don't know what you're talking about. We had it. I mean, our TikTok on this. You can follow us on TikTok at Real Talk RJ has something like 600,000 views on it because it's obviously resonated with a lot of people. And we, we do pay attention to the comments. And there have been there's been a recurring comment of people saying, you know, this host needs to do his research. These guys don't know what they're talking about. My wow. power bill has barely budged. Well, for some people that are maybe lucky enough to be locked into a certain yeah. rate for now or whatever the case, some people are in different circumstances. Sure. You may not be feeling it, but for a lot of other people, they're to the point now where, you know, you're, you're going, what am I going to do? Yeah. And those people who locked in, locked in way before, if you try to lock in now, which I tried to do, it's the rates are way up as well for, for those locked in rates as well. So yeah. it, it's really bad. And the housing thing, I mean, we've talked about it enough on the show. It's just scary. It's just scary. And you've got, and I don't want to bring up the thing like it's an immigration issue, but you've got more and more people coming to Canada, more and more families wanting to start a life here. Sure. And they're the ones, especially 
and people here as well, but are looking for affordable homes. And those affordable homes are being built. But you see all these big houses being built. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to talk about exactly where in Edmonton, but, but I see them and I'm like, who? Who are these people? These? I don't know who these like, people are. We need moderately priced, affordable housing. We need townhouses. We need single family homes. And we need them to be a lit. I know they're never going to go back to the way they were, but like, I, you don't, can know. Integrate I don't know who's those, living in though, these huge homes. You can integrate those into the big new swanky communities. Exactly. You know, and, and there there are some in some jurisdictions, there are requirements that like, you know, 6% or 8 or 10% of what you build has to be yeah. affordable housing and you can do it in partnership with governments. And, and, and there's lots of examples of them doing that. And then... And I and I recognize that the show's been we're an hour into the show now, but but of course we got a lot to catch up on this week, and, mm-hmm. and Shauna briefly touched on it, the Alberta Pension Plan. Oh gosh! This, I know I knew that when we signed off for the week to do this big stuff behind the scenes and outside a bunch of, of the stuff studio, would happen. I knew that all hell would break loose on the news cycle, and and all of our MPs stand up to applaud a Nazi, and <laughs> Danielle Smith announces that we're leaving the Canada. <laughs> she didn't announce we're leaving, but that's clearly what the government wants to do, and so they've got this push poll right now. They say they want to know what you think about Alberta setting up its own pension plan. Mm. They, they want to know what you think about Alberta pulling out of the CPP. If you complete the survey, you'll see, uh, when I say a push-pull, it's it, it's not a yes or no. Uh, that might be what a, a referendum question might look like um, the next election in Alberta or whenever the government chooses to pursue that, but that's not the question. Mm. The question, if you go participate in the survey, is like, what kind of Alberta pension plan do you want? <laughs> like, they've reached the conclusion. Now they're moving forward with it. Um, and, and I had a chance to pick a lot of people's brains on this over the last week. Um, some For some people, it's a non-starter. It's an idiotic move. They, they absolutely will not support it. For other people, uh, they think that it's a great idea, that Alberta should have done this years ago, that mm-hmm. it makes most sense for Alberta. And then I think for a lot of people, they're trying to just scale up their knowledge on it before they form an opinion. That's what I'm doing. You know? And so the assertion, some of these numbers, and, and we'll be talking to experts this week on the show about this. You can subscribe to our email, by the way. Just go to our website, Ryan Jesperson, scroll to the bottom. That's how you subscribe to our free weekly email. Um, but for a lot of people, experts like Dr. Trevor Toom are saying the Daniel Smith government says by Jim Dinning and and by their presentation, Jim Dinning, you'll remember, former cabinet minister in Alberta, high profile conservative politician. He's been out of the limelight since he lost the leadership race. Remember that whole Jim Dinning, Gary Marr thing, Ed Stelmack up the middle. Remember that? Um, But Jim Dinning's now putting his name to this. And so so I guess, you know, the government's moved to give it some credibility from outside their caucus or outside their cabinet, um, suggesting that Alberta is entitled to more than 50 percent of the current holdings of the Canada Pension Plan, which would be a huge wealth transfer to the province. Uh, It would give a new Alberta Pension Plan governing body, whoever that would be, AIMCO or otherwise, probably another outfit, you would imagine, a huge amount to start with, but it's not going to happen. Experts are saying the number is is ludicrous. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just not realistic. The number might be closer to 20%. And if it were to be that 20%, what would be the implications, not just for Alberta, which could be in the short-term positive, uh, but for the country, for the nation as a negative? And then there's the whole suggestion, and I do think that this is worth talking about for a quick second, that we're not, we shouldn't even be talking about this in terms of Alberta and Canada. We should be talking about it in terms of Canadian workers. We should be, we should be recognizing that Alberta doesn't pay into the Canada pension plan. That Albertans who work, that Canadians across the country who work and who have uh, deductions from their check, like most people do, 
That's who pays into the Canada Pension Plan. So Alberta's not owed anything, but there are people in Alberta that have paid in, and we're recognizing what that number looks like. Alberta's got a young workforce right now. It's got one of the youngest populations in Canada, but that doesn't last forever. So in the short term, we may say, well, this is a really rosy and great outlook for Alberta, and it's a solid idea, and we should do it. What does it look like in 30 years? What does it look like when Alberta's number one industry by a mile is experiencing disruption? like now with more anticipated and expected on the way. We've talked so much on this show about the world's move toward more sustainable and renewables and what Alberta has to do to not be left behind. And I don't even like talking about not left behind. Let's talk about leading. Let's talk about being on the forefront. Let's let's talk about continuing the innovation. You know, the people that figured out how to make the oil sands work, the people that have figured out fracking, the people that have figured out all of the incredible, almost what what appear to be like science defined, defying inventions and and don't take me to task on my description of it i'm just saying as a civilian as a layperson this stuff blows my mind some of the smartest people in canada some of the smartest people in the world are here and i know that alberta can answer that bell can can rise to the challenge and continue to be canada's energy capital but right now the golden goose appears to be looking at a limited lifespan right i mean if you believe I don't know what everybody else around the world appears to believe, including the biggest funds, the biggest investors. Where are those dollars going? So what does Alberta's future look like? That's really what the question's about when it comes to the Alberta pension plan. Where's Alberta now? Where's Alberta going to be in 30 years? When it comes time for your retirement, what do you want the pension plan to look like? Where do you want it to be invested? Is it safe to say? Is it safe to assume that one of the big, big motivating factors for an Alberta pension plan is so that that plan can invest in and support Alberta's industries? Is that where all the big pension funds are going right now? Is that where all the big international investors are going right now? No. In fact, they're going in the opposite direction. And so that's got to give us pause to think. That's got to give us reason to believe that this could be maybe a bit of a short-sighted move, a short-sighted idea. It all comes down to who you trust with one of your most important investments. And for a lot of you, that's going to be your pension. You can let us know what you think by sending us an email anytime to talk at ryanjesperson.com. You can also hit us up on our TikTok, our Instagram, and our Twitter at Real Talk RJ. A lot of what you say to us is going to dictate some of the takes on the show, some of the editorial direction, even some of the guests that we book, and we want you to be part of that process. Back on June 9th of last year, June 9th of 2022, we were joined by Kelsey Snow. Um, she's the podcaster behind Sorry, I'm Sad. She's also the wife of Chris Snow, uh, Assistant General Manager of the Calgary Flames. And Kelsey talked to us about the challenges of living uh, as a family fighting ALS, about what Chris was going through, bravely fighting. I mean, this guy, not even, I mean, this guy, not even at midlife yet. Two young kids, Willa and Cohen. Everybody knows the story of the snows and how Chris, when he was diagnosed, in his 30s, was originally given six months to live, but he refused to accept that diagnosis. And And Kelsey would post videos of him out mowing the lawn, pushing the lawnmower, even though he had experienced some facial paralysis as part of his ALS. So he couldn't, he couldn't beam out that smile that he was so famous in the hockey world for. 
But still, we knew and we could see it in his eyes that this was a guy that was going to fight and fight and fight. And we were so sorry to see uh, just a few days ago when Kelsey let us know that uh, Chris had experienced a cardiac episode which had had implications on oxygen to his brain and that he wasn't going to wake up from the coma that he was in. And then she let us know a couple of days later that uh, they were keeping Chris alive so that he could do what he had wanted to do, what he told people he wanted to do, and that was to be an organ donor as well so other people could continue in their lives. But we, as a group, and as humans, as individuals, we mourn the loss of Chris Snow. You know, Kelsey's insight when she talked to us was just incredible. This is a nightmare. Any family that has navigated ALS knows this. And back on June 9th of, of last year, she talked to us about how they talk about such a heartbreaking situation with their kids. How do you talk to your kids? Yeah. Um, how do you have those conversations? You're honest. Kids understand more than you think they do. And they're thinking about it more than you think they do. And sometimes you get it wrong, um, but you do your best in the moment to just be real with them. We've told them we're not going to hide things from you. Um, you know, you have a question, please come to us with it. We are the experts here. And if we don't have the answer, then we'll go to the doctors who have the answer, but you, you come to us, you know, Cohen's 10 now, so he can Google <laughs> and we need to be sure that, you know, the information that they're getting is the best information. Um, we have a extra element here in that we have a family history of this disease. They understand that this is, um, something that's in our family. It wasn't long after we first told our kids that Chris had this, that, um, Cohen asked Chris, dad, if you got this from your dad, can I get this from you? Hmm. Um, and this is a question that I get a lot on social media. Um, you know, can your kids, that your kids have a chance of getting this? Well, it's genetic. So yes. Um, and the thing that we told Cohen is, uh, the thing that I say to other people too, I have a great neurologist at Sunnybrook in Toronto that, um, was the neurologist for the first part of the clinical trial. Now we get the clinical trial medicine just two minutes from our house at Foothills here in Calgary, which is amazing. But for the first like nine months, we were going to Toronto once a month for this um, clinical trial that Chris is in. And this neurologist there, Lauren Zinman, we were maybe there the first, first or second time we were there. And he put his hand on my knee and he looked me in the eye and he said, I don't want you to worry about your kids. We're going to start crying. Sorry. Yeah, I'm uh, too. We're going to figure this out. We're so close to figuring this out, this familial type of ALS specifically. Sporadic ALS is not as far along in the process as this specific type that Chris has. But um, he said, I don't want you to worry about your kids. And, you know, in the dark of the night when your eyes are op wide open and you're staring at the ceiling and you're thinking about all the things that are terrify you, um, that's number one. And I think about what he said to me. He's not an ALS doctor is not uh, in the market to peddle false hope. That was Kelsey Snow talking to us uh, last year. That was on June 9th of 2022. And, and you can find that episode in its entirety uh, on our YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcast. We also wanted to tell you that they've uh, friends of the family have established a GoFundMe for the Snow family. Obviously, nothing uh, can be donated that will ease their grief or that will ease their pain. But we do know, of course, <clears throat> that there are challenges, many of them that lie ahead for Kelsey uh, and for her two beautiful children, mm -hmm. Cohen and Willa. Um, 
I'm looking at donations just here. Some of the donations, the, the National Hockey League Players Association has That's made amazing. a donation. Former Flames general manager Jay Feasters made a donation. And a lot of other people, just everyday people like you and me um, that want to do something uh, to send a message of love and support. They've raised about 156000 U.S. Uh, their goal is a quarter million. Keep in mind, these are young kids. She's a young mom. Uh, they've got a long road ahead of them. And, and I know it's safe to say, if I know Kelsey, uh, that they will continue their fight against ALS, uh, and uh, this is a way to just show some love to them. So we'll have that link in the in the uh, show notes for the podcast and on YouTube, or you can just Google GoFundMe Help the Snow Family. It's pretty heartbreaking watching that clip back now and Isn't remembering it? that interview, and also the uh, the Flames, a very very touching uh, tribute to him. Yeah, this was one that they played just over the weekend at one of their exhibition games. Before tonight's national anthem, we now ask that you direct your attention to the energy board for a very special video presentation. The Calgary Flames and the entire hockey community are devastated by the news that one of our own, Chris Snow, has been placed on life support with no hope of waking following his battle with ALS. Chris joined the Calgary Flames in 2011 as Director of Video and Statistical Analysis, later being promoted to the role of Vice President of Data Analytics and Assistant General Manager. His impact on the organization was immeasurable, but can be clearly seen in the growth of the Hockey Research and Development Department that supports all aspects of the Calgary Flames hockey operations. So, I mean, it just reiterates, I mean, this yeah, guy was, was... A, a rising star in the hockey management community mm -hmm. um, and also just a doting dad. Yeah. I have, I'm having a hard time talking about it just because I he, he was just, it was so obvious, like any parent would be, I think, especially when facing a diagnosis like this, yeah. where you know, and it, and I, I hate to even say it out loud, but certain things, you know, we've, we've uh, a friend of ours just, lost a, a dear loved one to pancreatic cancer and those are, that's another one of those diagnoses when you hear it um, a lot of times the doctors are talking weeks or months like it's just such a it's a devastating diagnosis ALS is is so horrific a disease that you kind of know but you can't say that you do you refuse to accept it yeah. right you're going to keep fighting it you're going to do everything you can you're going to participate in the in the trials and you're going to fly to Toronto or you're going to fly wherever you need to fly to get the treatment but at the same time, this guy was was making time every single day to be with his kids to try to make those memories that they'll cherish for the rest of their life. That's the hardest part. And th the stuff that really got me was him, you know, because they say when you're sick, when you have these debilitating diseases, rest up, save your strength, you know, all these things. And he wasn't that guy. He was like, no, I'm going to go out and mow the lawn, yeah. even though it's a struggle for me. I'm yeah. going to go to the grocery store. I'm going to push the cart. I'm going to do all these things. And that video of him mowing the lawn and, and just doing all the stuff around the house when his wife was not asking him to, obviously, no. at this point. It was just, yeah, it's really But probably really important for him, too, as well, to just like, like physically to do it. And feel to, normal. You know? Feel like an everyday Yeah, guy. this is, uh, this is um, Lauren says, caregivers taking care of loved ones with a future on borrowed time is difficult. Uh, Brian says, hey, if you're comfortable with it, Real Talkers, make sure you check the organ donor box when you renew your driver's license. I love that, Brian. I think, personally, Alberta should be an opt-out province. I think everybody should be an organ donor unless you opt out. But yeah, why? I, I don't know yeah. if now is the time to, to debate that, but but I, I do think that's important. And, and times like this are a great reminder. Sylvia says the donation of organs will give her comfort. You see these, uh, you know, you see it on like TikTok and Instagram. It's like these these amazing stories that'll come out. I saw one just this weekend. I get emotional at stories about people I've never even met before in my life. I know. I don't know. need to. But it's like a bride was walked down the aisle 
by a guy that she barely knew. Well, she's getting to know him now because her dad, her deceased father's beating heart is in this guy's chest. Oh, my. Right? And so her dad can't be there to walk her down the aisle, but the recipient of her dad's heart walked her down the aisle. And I'm like, that, that is incredible. Those types of stories. I know that we've, we've all lost loved ones. Um, I lost for, for me a, a great loss in my night in, in my twenties. Uh, it was, it was quite some time ago. And I, and I've um, told this story on the show before our beloved friend, Peter, when he passed away unexpectedly, um, his family was able, they were, they were able to his, his, his organs, um, even, you know, his, his retinas. I mean, it's all the, the family was able um, to bless other families at a time of great sorrow yeah. and, and great grief, but knowing that seven families would be impacted and in some circumstances see lives prolonged because of Peter's gift. It's I mean, incredible. It, it doesn't take away and, the grief. It doesn't take away the pain, but but it does allow you to continue to celebrate that person's life in many different contexts. You know Every, what I mean? Everyone should be an organ donor. And that's the crazy thing. You think of organ donor, you think, oh, maybe they'll take this or that. Literally, like you just said, seven people. You can change several people's lives by being an organ donor, not just help yeah. one person, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Justin says, I'm happy to be an organ donor. Uh, he says, if somebody else can use my organs, what do I need them for once I'm gone? Totally agree. And how about this from Nick? I love this comment from Nick who says, shout out to the recipient on the, the walk the bride down the aisle. Showing up matters. Mm-hmm. I agree. And that's amazing. What an amazing honor yeah. that would be. Just don't take my liver because it's, it's, not, it's not good. Nobody wants your liver. <laughs> Nobody wants it. This can we? Th- what? We need some positivity. In yeah, the I know. I feel this. like this is a perfect time for this. Yeah. Um, you know, every... Uh, Monday, or the first show of every week, our friends at Kubi Renewable Energy. You can get a free solar quote today at kubienergy.ca. Give us a reason to focus on the positives. A uh, silver lining story, a fill your bucket story, a random act of kindness story. Uh, today we're celebrating uh, a young Canadian. This guy's amazing. We call it Positive Reflections. And check this out. Uh, we're going to introduce you to Maximus Trest, uh, who first of all has one of the coolest names of anybody I've ever heard of in my entire life. Maximus Trest from White Rock, BC, just outside Vancouver, is 13 years of age, okay? So he can't legally drive, he can't vote, but he has developed a video game that has been picked up for Sony's new PlayStation 5. How amazing is this? He first learned to code at the age of six after gaining an interest in video games through his dad. And so he was developing his own animations. We're talking like six, seven, eight years old, friends. And then he started up his company, which he calls Lost Cartridge Creations. There's probably a story there. He's the sole developer of the company, but says he gets occasional help from his dad. So he designed this game called Astrolander. And Astrolander, we're going to show you a little bit. If you're watching on YouTube, this is his. is exclusively coming on the PlayStation 5. How neat is this? He coded and designed this game single-handedly. This guy's... 13 years old. Uh, He showed it off at a video game expo in Seattle last year, and that's what caught the attention of one of the big shots at Sony. And they loved the idea of alien fighting robots on a mission to save their friends in an outlandish universe, and so Sony picked it up. They loved, they said, the immersive features through the controller, where you feel the vibration of the action. It's known as haptic feedback and it makes the sensations even more realistic when you're playing the game did i mention the guy's 13 (laughs) so anyway they can also use the controller's microphone to take control of the characters which is so cool um so you can play a demo version of the game at seattle at the video game convention that's coming up this month 
It's called Geek Girl Con. That's going to be in Seattle this month. And the young developer says he's hoping that other creatives uh, who are interested in video games aren't afraid to chase their passion. That's his number one message. No matter your age, quote, never give up. Always follow your dreams. Even if you receive pushback or people say you can't do it, you can always follow your dreams and do your passion. A shout out to Maximus Trest, 13 years of age, debuting on PlayStation 5 with his own new game. I love it. Shout out to the execs at Sony that noticed him and that gave him this shot. And a shout out to Real Talker Justin, who put this story on our radar with an email to talk at ryanjesperson.com. That's where you can tell us about your positive reflection. It could be a personal story. It could be something that's on your mind. Maybe a way that an interview that we did resonated with you. Positive Reflections is proudly presented by our friends at Kubi Renewable Energy. Thanks for being a part of today's show. We've got a great week in store coming up on Thursday. It's National Depression Diagnosis Awareness Day. We're going we're, we're to talk about mental health. We're also going to talk about pensions. We're going to talk about the environment. We're going to talk about federal politics and whatever else news breaks between now and Friday. We'll see you soon. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, Executive Producer Josh Dunford, Technical Producer John Hicks, General Manager Katie Cook-Chivers, Account Coordinator Lauren Sterlego, Human Resources Lena Shepard, Website Design Mike Johnston, VoiceOver by me, Terry Skelton. Real Talk's Editorial Board is Supriya Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Randy Morin, Ann Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a relay project. For more, check out ryanjesperson.com.